0: Well, good morning. I invite you to look with me to Mark's Gospel, chapter 1 today, beginning with verse 14. Join me this morning as we walk along the shore of the lake that acts like a sea that's called Galilee. Feel the wind on your face as you're walking along the edge of that lake. Walk with me as we walk with Jesus. Walk with me and let's wonder together what it means to embrace the different way of Christ. And when we follow his way, he causes us to become different people. So come with me. Let's meet Jesus by the water's edge and let's follow his different way. We join him in Mark's gospel, beginning with verse 14 in chapter 1. This is the word of the Lord for us today. Thanks be to God. After John was put in prison, John the Baptist, that is, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. When Jesus had gone a little further, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. And without delay he called them. And they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and they followed him. May God speak to us through his word this morning. It's easy to glance over these words in a pedestrian sort of way to give them a cursory look, a cursory glance if you will. But as we read them out loud and as we imagine the actual circumstances, the actual moment, these words are rather breathtaking. In fact, they're somewhat mind-boggling. Speaking to the fishermen, we hear Jesus call, come, follow me. And at once they left their nets and followed him. But that does not just happen once, it happens once again. Without delay, he called them, it says, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. Jesus is walking along the shore of Galilee. I don't think this is a calm, leisurely day on the lake. In fact, this is a day of bustling activity. This is the activity of boats preparing for a day's hard work ahead of them. Just look, look out on the lake, look at the many boats, some on the edge, some have already been cast out. Fishermen are all around. They probably have been at it for some time, getting their gear ready, hoping that the day's efforts would produce a good catch. But this is more than fishing. This is their way of life. So in stunning clarity, the gospel tells us that they leave behind not just a day of fishing, but their letting go of nets reveals their letting go of their lives. But this is not the way it's supposed to be. Rabbis did not go looking for disciples. Prospective students inquired and they were interviewed and most didn't make the cut. Jesus taking the initiative is a different way. Aren't you glad he still does that with us? And for these men to leave their families, it would have been seen as scandalous for the social structure of that day and perhaps even our day as well. But they are going a different way. Why did that happen? How did that happen? Well, in the economy of Scripture, we do not get the whole picture. We do not know what others were on the shore with them. We, we, we are not privy to other conversations, though when you read the Gospels and you put the details together, it's clear there were some other conversations. We don't know what the weather was like that day or the mood of these men as they were getting ready to go to work. We don't know how the politics of the day or the pressures of life or their hopes for a future were on their minds. We just don't know any of that. But we are given what we need to know. Why did it happen? How did it happen? Well, visiting my parental memory, I go back in time, to the adolescence of my adult children. But I can't stop there, really. I need to go back further in time to a place with my own adolescence. I know I heard this question. I am sure I heard this question more than once. And I know my adolescent children probably heard this question in some form or fashion. And maybe you heard this question before, or maybe you have asked this question as well, because I know I certainly heard it in my adolescence and the question was this, what were you thinking? I'm sure you've probably been asked that question. What were you thinking? And that's the question I want to ask Simon and Peter. That's the question I want to ask James and John. I want to run up to them as they are walking away from this life, as they're walking away from the way that they knew, and now they turn to this different way. I want to walk up to them and say, what were you thinking? I wonder if they could give words in reply. I I don't know. But the scripture, I believe, gives us an indicator of what was going on when we hear from Jesus announcing what is going on. The time has come, he said in verse 15. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. So as I run up to Peter and Andrew, I ask, what were you thinking? And then I run up to James and John and I ask, what were you thinking I mean, who does this? Who just walks away from the life they knew, the life that was all figured out, the life that made the most sense to everyone who was watching? Who takes the risk to go a different way that no one else understands? I think they would answer me by saying, that's just it we began thinking in a different way. As we are with Jesus on the road, we are with him as he calls his disciples to follow him. But in following him, it means embracing his different way of thinking. God's kingdom is here, verse 15 tells us. Jesus called that good news. And he said his followers are to believe the good news. Now, unfortunately for us, we have assigned belief as a function of simple mental assent, just an exercise of the head. And we have made the mind just a storage bank of information, giving assent to the right belief claims. It's not saying that that is not important, but that's not what Jesus means here. In fact, I think we need to go to another portion of Scripture to maybe get a better understanding of exactly what Jesus had in mind. Paul's words in Romans chapter 12, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. You see, these disciples did not conform to the world's way of thinking. Belief, according to Jesus, carries the idea of giving one's self to something you cherish. It carries the weight of betting my life on something, placing the entire weight of my life. It carries the idea of a transformed way of processing the world around you. David Vryhoff described it this way. Most simply, the English words believe and beloved are related. What we believe is what we beloved. What we believe is what we beloved. Faith is about beloving God and that which God loves. Faith, belief, is about beloving God and loving that which god loves you see that makes jesus more than just an expression of religious life more than just a commitment to spirituality even more than simply just some way of trying to make sure i get to heaven the kingdom is good news because jesus himself is good news He himself is the kingdom, the one who rules with grace and mercy, the one who reigns with holiness and justice, the one who sits on the throne of our hearts, the king who really fully knows us, as we saw last week, and yet welcomes us. And that's good news. That's good news for every single person. And that's why the most natural response was the response of these disciples. At once, they left their nets and followed him. So we need to ask the question. We need to ask the question. What is it that Jesus is calling you, calling me to leave behind for him? Is there something that needs to change in your life that will lead you to greater freedom in loving God and what God loves? At so many levels and in so many different ways, the events of our lives this past year have revealed, and maybe a better word is, has exposed the difference our way of thinking makes and the need for a different way of thinking. How has your thinking over this last year impacted your ability to love others or not love others? How has your way of thinking put God first in your life? How has your way of thinking impacted your relationships as a result of the pandemic, what are you prepared to do differently now that you are now aware Really, what really matters? What has been the clarifying truths you now realize? What do you see is no longer a priority? What have you put ahead of God in your life? Do you think differently about the things you have really given value to? And now, do you see the value of the gathered people of God? What has this last year revealed to you about ways in which you need to go a different way in your practice of faith, the priorities of your family life, the relationships you give yourself to, the focus of your aspirations and dreams? See, in the midst of all of that, the good news is this. Jesus is calling. Are we open and willing to follow his different way? Following a different way because we have embraced this different way of thinking because he is good news the time has come he said the kingdom of God has come near repent and believe the good news you see at the heart of the word repent at the idea of repentance its core meaning is a change of mind yes it means a change of direction but it starts at a change of mind a different way of thinking Now, we typically imagine repentance as the act of stopping some wrong or sinful behavior. And that clearly is a result of repentance. Sin separates us from God. And so if we continue on in behaviors and choices that distance us from God, the more we do so, the more our thinking does not turn Godward, but inward. And the more we distance ourselves from the life God wants for us. But that is the good news of repentance. The scriptures are clear. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. That times of refreshing may come from the Lord, we read in the book of Acts. Open before us now is this different way of doing life. No longer do we have to be subject to the darkness of our sins. Dallas Willard put it this way. To be the light of life and to deliver deliver God's life to women and men where they are and as they are is the secret of the enduring relevance of Jesus. What a good word that is for us. The enduring relevance of Jesus is that he gives us this light of life. He delivers us God's life to us. And now new possibilities open up to us in how to face the brokenness and the pain and the regrets and the shame of life. Paraphrasing the lesson that Max Licato taught me years ago, and maybe you too. Your life is not futile, your failures are not fatal, and your death is not final. Your death is not final because eternal life is yours in Jesus Christ. Your failure is not fatal because grace is ours in forgiveness from him. And your life is not futile because you have a purpose beyond what you can deposit in the bank or store in the shed. It's a different way of thinking. It leads to a different way of thinking. This good news leads to a different way. But that all leads to something else. As we stand with these disciples by the shore on the road with Jesus, we are witnesses to the transforming power of this different way of thinking. This kingdom way of thinking. This kingdom way changes everything. And what we see happening with these disciples is a fundamental shift takes place. And that fundamental shift is really seen in the response to a question. And the question is this, what is the purpose of my life as it relates to the purposes of God? What's the purpose of my life as it relates to the purposes of God? That's the shift that takes place. That's the dynamic of the kingdom of God. That's that's the dynamic that changes our way of thinking, our shift. This is where we hear it. This is where we see it. Verse 17, Jesus says, Come follow me and I will send you out to fish for people. I will send you out to fish for people. Now, before, life was completely caught up in fishing. It wasn't just something they did for a job. It was their life. As I said, this was not just a job. It was their way of life. That lake was everything to them. It was what they built their families around. It was who they were known for. It was what they were known as in their society. It was their purpose. But this call to the different way of Jesus, this call to a different way of thinking, redefines the purpose of life. And that means I now have a completely different set of questions to ask and answer in life that are contrary to the normal way of thinking. Just a completely different set of questions. And at the heart of those questions is this one. Uh, Paraphrasing Walter Brueggemann's idea of vocation, we ask this, what is my purpose for being in the world that is related to and an expression of the purposes of God? This good news of the kingdom leads me to a whole different perspective, a different question to ask. What is my purpose for being in the world that is related to and an expression of the purposes of God? We all have a vocation, every one of us. But it is not necessarily the career path you may be on. It, It may not be the job that you do each day. It may not be that at all. At the heart of it is this, we are all called to be an expression of the purposes of God. We are all called to serve the purposes of God. So what is that for you? And here's a question for us. How does that make me different? How does that make you different? What difference does a kingdom way of thinking make in my life? What the difference does it make in your life? And how does that cause us to view our world and those in our world differently? Just look at the world around us. Just imagine in your mind the world right now. What do you feel? What do you feel as you imagine the world around you? Name what you feel. Name it. Well, as I was imagining the world around me this week, and even in recent weeks, there's one word that comes to my mind. And the word that comes to my mind is the word ache. Ache. The words are now famous. They've become famous. They're the words of Bob Pierce, who was the founder of World vision, when he said this, he prayed this, they found this written on the fly leaf of his Bible. This is his prayer Let my heart be broken with the things that break the heart of God. Let my heart be broken with the things that break the heart of God. And then the former Senate chaplain, Richard Halverson, made this comment about Bob Pierce. He said, Bob Pierce functioned from a broken heart. Think about that. Let my heart be broken with the things that break the heart of God. You see, that is the prayer of someone who has a different way of thinking. The kingdom way of thinking. But that also is a dangerous prayer. It's a dangerous prayer. Because if you let in the pain of the world you will, as scriptures say, share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ. We hear that repeatedly in the New Testament, participating and sharing in the sufferings of Christ. Bob Pierce shared in the sufferings of Christ. And if you pray that prayer with seriousness and you let the pain of the world into your heart and you connect that with the good news of the kingdom and the love of God, you will share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ. Ache. But to see a prayer like that can only be prayed truly by someone who has believed the good news. Someone who has believed it so much that they have changed their mind and they've turned to follow Jesus with a different way of thinking. Do you know what kind of thinking it is? It is the love your enemies. The last will be first. The greatest will be the least. It's the take up your cross and follow Jesus kind of thinking. That's the kind of thinking it is. That's the thinking that's so contrary to our world. The the least will be the greatest. And the truth is. With that kind of thinking, your heart will ache. What does that look like in real time? Well, because we have chosen to follow this different way of Jesus, our heart breaks over a world where the purposes of God are thwarted or compromised or misused or maligned, all because we believe the good news of the kingdom, the purposes of God. And when the purposes of God are thwarted, compromised, maligned, our hearts ache. Are you wondering, are you wondering what that ache in your heart is when you see the world as it is not what it should be, what God desires? Are you wondering what that ache is in your heart over the disruption and the disorientation that the pandemic has created? Are you wondering why your heart aches at the division and the dismissiveness and the bitterness and how we see and treat one another? Are you wondering, are you wondering why your heart aches when you see Christians using social media and political power as weapons to tear down others and blunt the witness of the kingdom and his church? Are you wondering why your heart aches? Are you wondering why your heart aches as the COVID virus impacts real lives, as it takes real lives? Are you wondering why your heart aches as we've allowed it to become a political and media issue rather than a sanctity of life issue? Are you wondering why your heart aches when you look at the world? You see, it's because you believe the good news of Jesus. Because God changes the frame of reference from the ways of the world to the ways of his kingdom. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe The good news. Our hearts ache because they should ache. Because we choose to follow a different way. We have chosen a different way of thinking. We know that there is good news to believe. The very good news of the kingdom of God that is better. And because of that, we know this, we should be better. We should be different we should follow a different way. So yes, our hearts ache. But here's the really good news. Jesus says, come, follow me. Do you hear him calling today? Do you hear him inviting you to a different way? Do you see there is a different way of thinking to embrace? And do you see that it means That in his different way, in the midst of his different way, in the midst of this very real world, even in the midst of our ache, the good news is he's calling and he is with you and he is with me in the midst of it all as we trust him. And I think, I think that is why they did it. And I think that is how they did it. Jesus is calling us to a different way of thinking. What is my answer going to be? Amen. Our instrumentalists are going to come and they're going to be playing the song, Called Me Higher. And I would really encourage you to go to our Facebook page and to follow the link that was posted for our YouTube presentation of music I would really encourage you to listen to every one of those songs I did that very early this morning with a cup of coffee in my hand my headphones on listening closely worshiping God And I got to the song of called me higher and I heard these lyrics you have called me higher you have called me deeper and I'll go where you lead me Lord He's called you and me, he's called all of us to a higher way, to a deeper way, to a better way, to his way. He says, come, follow me. He said, the kingdom is here. Turn, think differently, and follow me. And it's in following him. He'll renew our minds. He'll take us on a different way. The way of Jesus. And then as we seek to see others, they will see him in us. May it be so. I pray now that as we go into this day today, that we would follow Jesus in his call to us, that our minds would be renewed with a different way of thinking and our lives would reveal a different way of living, the way of Jesus. Let us go and let us live the way of Jesus whatever that means, wherever we find ourselves in Jesus' name.